Last week, we started a, a series. I'm just see, waiting to see if you'll catch the joke. How many know I was only going to preach one message on the power of the blessing? I can't. I have to do one more. And I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I have to do one more message on the power of the blessing because it's such a part of our DNA. And last week we had our annual blessing of the children's service. And if you happen to not attend last week, we printed more of the blessings that we, in unity, we brought all of our children in in both services, laid hands on them. We spoke this over them. Uh, we've got those printed. I know a lot of you take them home, you put them on the fridge, you hang them up in your kids' rooms, and you speak them over throughout the year. So uh, we printed more of those so that we have, we completely ran out last week, and we printed more than we thought we needed, and we ran out of them. So please grab those. But speaking blessing is such a part of our culture, and it's... Uh, those of you that have joined us in the last year, the last six months, at times I forget when you come into a place you're new to that culture. And there's things that we've established for a long time that's just a part of the way that we speak and the way we communicate. And I don't want you to miss out on this. The power of blessing is something that we incorporate into our lives. Beth and I do on a regular basis. And to be, to be uh, transparent with you, I wasn't brought up in that kind of a home or that kind of a church where we really learned to declare blessings on other people. We, we prayed, we interceded, and then we had a tendency to condemn. While we were praying for someone and we were interceding for someone, we were condemning them with our words because religion was getting in the way rather than learning how to speak blessing. And I just, I'm crazy enough to believe that, that when you put a blessing on someone, you've given them something real. They have it now. They carry it. And, and that God blesses those who bless. Now, as I lead in today, I'm going to share a couple of things with you. And I'm going to be off topic. I promise to bring it in. It really won't take all that long. And, we'll, and you'll, see, you'll see why I did this. At least I hope that you do. Our church has been uh, affected or influenced by Bethel Church in Redding, California. And some of, some of you that follow Bethel and maybe you listen to, to, to Bill Johnson or Pastor Chris and others, you know that they have influence um, in our lives. Not that we go down and have an annual meeting with them. But there's some of the people that I listen to. A lot of the worship music that we do uh, comes from, from that spiritual stream or that spiritual house. And one of the things that I love about them are the way that they, not only do they intercede, but they're also willing to declare blessing over their city. Not just condemn their city for where it's missing the mark, but to bless it and then to step in and to try to be a blessing to their community. Now the reason I, I bring them up as an example this morning is for this. Some of you probably heard that that area of California, in Redding in particular, they've lost hundreds and hundreds of properties, hundreds of personal homes, hundreds of businesses, uh, major catastrophe with uh, wildfires, which they've actually, they know where that wildfire started. Uh, can, even though I, I read on social media a couple of religious people saying that God sent the fire to condemn them for their horrible theology and their heresy, uh, which was going on social media, they actually determined that there was a car that had an issue underneath it and a spark that went from that car driving through a very dry area, that spark started a flame that's destroyed just billions and billions of dollars worth of assets, okay? Why do I bring this up? It's interesting to me 
that when you have a group of people that want to proclaim life and want to speak for the authority of heaven on earth and pray blessing into the lives of others, that it so offends the religious spirit that when negativity happens in their community, the religious spirit piles on and they, they use that as a moment to say, see, you're off target. It's amazing to me. It reminds me, have you ever read about the Azusa Street Revival? You read about it. Um, if, if you haven't, it was a revival that took place around the turn of the century, 1900 century. And in it, there were a couple of things that were going on there. Um, it was in a real poor area of Los Angeles. The gentleman that was being used to help orchestrate the revival, his name was William Seymour. William Seymour was an African-American. He wasn't um, accepted by all the religious community for two reasons. One, because he was black. And two, because he was contending for signs and wonders and miracles. And we had had such a long season in our culture where the miraculous wasn't happening that the, happening that the religious were actually offended by the signs and wonders. Now, if you read the stories of the Azusa Street Revival, one of the things I like to, there, there's even pictures of it, and I love to think about it. On one wall for a long time, and then it became both walls, they had crutches and wheelchairs hanging up almost as uh, trophies because people that came in that wheeled in, the Lord healed them. They didn't need their wheelchair any longer. Or they came in on crutches or they had a cane and they hung them up as a memorial to what God had done. They weren't lifting them up as an idol, but they were reminding themselves of what God had done. And I want to remind you right now, if we don't build some memorial stones every once in a while, we will very quickly forget what God has done for us. Some of us, God came through for you last year, but you're questioning his faithfulness this year. He's already done miracles this summer, but you're already worried about November. I want you to know, the God that was is the God that is, and the God that will be, and He's always faithful, He's always trustworthy, and you can always lean on Him and rely on Him and know He'll be faithful to His Word. We need to hang up some memorial stones every once in a while. But you know what happened? That mission was growing to the point that they were popping out the back doors and they ended up setting up a tent and having outdoor services because they couldn't contain all the people coming in. Many of them were accepting Jesus. Many of them were speaking in languages that they never learned once they experienced an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some of them didn't accept Jesus, but they received healing, came back later, and then met the Savior. But you know what happened? There are a group of conservatives, of white ministers, that rode by that mission on horseback and they fired guns into that open tent and they shot people. Why did they do it? Two reasons. There was prejudice toward the black man that was being used in the revival and there was such religion that they couldn't accept God would give gifts of healing and signs and wonders and miracles. What does this have to do with Bethel Redding? How am I tying all this together? And what on earth does this have to do with the power of the blessing? Those are fair questions. Do we realize that our tongue has the power of life and death? And those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you know that to this day in our nation, the city that has the most drive-bys on an annual basis is Los Angeles, California? Drive-by what? Drive-by shootings. 
I just don't think, and call me crazy, crazy, I just don't think that it's happenstance that in a community where pastors fired into a revival as they rode by on horseback, I don't think it's happenstance that that's the same community where people drive by and shoot their guns into houses. And I think it's the same spirit that curses the ministry of Bethel Church because tragedy is striking a community rather than bringing the compassion of God into that community and saying, you know what, we're here to bring life. Pastor Beth talked about Convoy of Hope. You all know that we have a great relationship with Convoy of Hope. And I'll tell you, once again, they were one of the first people on ground in Redding, California, three weeks ago as they started hauling supplies in to meet the needs of the people that had literally been burned out of their homes, burned out of their community. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to quit partnering our theology with the moment when Elijah called down fire, not on the prophets of Baal, but on the sacrifice in his contention with the prophets of Baal. Let me remind you, Jesus came representing the Father. He said, hey, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We all know, we studied it together in Hebrews chapter 1. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. When you've seen Jesus, man, you've seen God. And Jesus' assignment wasn't Elijah's assignment. Jesus' assignment wasn't Jeremiah's assignment. Jesus' assignment, as the second member of the Trinity, was to represent the Father to us. And when Jesus came, everything that Jesus did, he did it because his Father wanted him to do it. He represented the Father well. Who are we supposed to be representing? We claim that we're the body of Christ, that we're his hands and feet, we're Jesus with skin on. We make all of those statements, then you know what? Let's line our thinking up with Jesus' thinking. Remember James and John, the sons of thunder. Remember those guys? There's one community that Jesus goes into to minister, and the people won't receive his ministry. To the point they reject him, Jesus walks out of that community, and James and John are offended. And they come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, do you want us to be like Elijah? We'll call down fire on that city. And I'm sure in the original Greek, Jesus went, listen, morons. I'm sure it's there. Can't find it, but I'm sure it is. Jesus looked at them and said, wait a second. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy. The Son of Man came to save. I didn't go into that city so you'd get ticked off with your religious spirit and call down fire on the city. I went into that city because people need deliverance. People need freedom. People need hope. People need joy. Ladies and gentlemen, are we cursing the very thing that we're supposed to be blessing? I know there's a lot of chaos in our city. I know there's a lot of chaos in St. Louis. I know that there's, there's struggle and there's tragedy and there's abuse. And, but we're supposed to be blessing our city, not cursing our city. And if we can learn to bless our children, if we can learn to bless our spouse, for crying out loud, if we as Christians can learn to bless one another, why not take it out and bless our community? Why not start using this power of the tongue that we've been given to shape the future rather than just reacting to it? Here's what we talked about last week. Um, let's go ahead, Amber. We'll put them up one at a time. Lessons learned. I'll just give you this for review. Number one was this. The word of God in our mouths is just as powerful as the word of God in God's mouth. 
Now, if you're in here, you're going, man, I need a verse for every one of these. This was last week's message. You can watch it on archive or listen to the podcast. But God lives in me. My body's a temple of what? The Holy Spirit. And when I partner my life with him, when I release the word of God, it's as though God's releasing the word of God. Because it's not God partnering with my mouth. It's my mouth partnering with God's word. So the word of God is just as powerful in my mouth as it is in God's. Number two, when you give a blessing to someone, though it's not visible, it's tangible. I, this is a part of our culture. We talk about this a lot. Um, I, I don't have any cash. Who carries it anymore? But I do have a credit card. And since you really don't need ID for these things anymore, who would like it? Who would like to put it to use for a while? So if I, if I bring this thing out, and I, when, I, when I hand, and actually I do, hand my, my children a credit card from time to time to pick up things with great, you know, when Paul went to the Corinthian church, it says he went there with fear and trembling. And there, is t- there are times as a parent, when you release a piece of plastic, you do so with fear and trembling. That, you know what I'm talking about? I believe I've taught you well. I've instructed well. You know the principles of the kingdom. And then you get the statement and you're like, oh, we need revival. We, we don't understand yet, right? So... If, when you give somebody something physical, it, it seems more real because you can see it and you can touch it. But God's word says that we don't fix our eyes on what we see because what we see is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And as much as my children enjoy it when I give them something in the physical I want you to know, anything I give them in the physical is temporary. The best things that I give are when I'm giving something in the eternal. That's why last week when we had the blessing of the children and we stand up here with our kids too, when I put my hands on them, I get into the moment. I mean, I do. I just, I mentally get into the moment. I'm giving them something. This is real. I am putting a blessing on them. Number two, or number three, blessings given were not revocable. Remember that? Esau's like, Dad, I want it, I want it. And he's like, I'm sorry, I gave it to your brother. It is what it is. When God gives a blessing, that blessing stays. Number four, blessings are given and received by faith. We studied this in Hebrews 11. Isaac blessed his children by faith. Jacob received the blessings by faith. And at the end of the life, we see that he then gave them away by faith. Next one. Blessings given by faith bring more than expected. I want you to know that when you bless someone, you can always expect expect more than you expected to happen. Um, God's word says that he does exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. When Jacob prophesied over Judah and he said to him, the scepter will never leave from between your knees, son. What? He obviously recognized that Judah had an authority in the family. Could Jacob have ever imagined that the Messiah would come from Judah's line and that Jesus would be for the forever king? It always does more than we could even think that it does. The next one, blessings call out God's best for someone's life and from someone's life. When, I, when I'm praying for friends and family, I'm asking God to bless them for them. But I also am asking him to bless through them. Have you ever, we used to sing the song in the church when I was a kid, make me a blessing. Remember that one? Make me a blessing in someone's life today. And it, we actually, we sound, it was like a dirge, wasn't it? Make me a blessing, make me a blessing, 
make me a blessing in somebody's life today. I just, it didn't have the pop to it, okay? Um, but that if we say, Joyce, you were singing it with me. I sang, Carol, you were doing the same thing. It, we are, we really are, we are blessed to be a blessing. We had a, we had a strong season in the late 80s and the 90s where we forgot what it meant to, to walk in the blessing of God because we got so sick of the blab it and grab it message on Christian television. Blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, whatever it was. And a lot of people rightfully said, well, the only people that are getting blessed through this are those of you that are preaching this message and you're cashing all the checks. And there was a lot of truth to that statement. Listen, if you're blessed and God's pouring resources out, resources out upon you, you have a great responsibility to say, Lord, where's the wisdom of what's for me? Where's the wisdom of what's for later? Where's the wisdom for future endeavors? But God, also the wisdom for that that's supposed to be spread for the sake of the kingdom of heaven on earth. God, bless through me. Don't just bless me, God. Bless through me. I think we've got one more. The tongue has life and death power. We have a responsibility to use it effectively. I've already talked about that. Let's go to Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 says this. Then the Lord replied. I'll just give you a quick observation there. Habakkuk and, and God are actually having a conversation. So it's good in prayer to have times where you listen. Because the Lord replied, and if we're constantly talking and hitting with a barrage of, Lord, I need, bless me, help me, take care of me, we miss the conversation. So the Lord replies to him, hey, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets. That, that's almost a way of saying, write in a way that's legible. Just an honesty moment. How many of you have ever had the Lord speak to you, and you wrote it down, and you wrote it so sloppy you couldn't even read what he gave you later? Have you, have you been there? I've, I've got that kind of handwriting that I'm like, what did he tell me? And that's when I usually bring it to someone with the gift of interpretation. And I ask them to lay hands and to discern the intelligible tongue that's been written on the prayer journal. But he's, he's like, make it plain. This is something that needs to be received. So put it on plain tablets and Harold will run with it. Or excuse me, that a Harold may run with it. Uh, for the revelation, notice this, it awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will not delay. It will surely come. There's a couple of things going on here, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up in a blessing message, I think that by and large, the religious community, we've kind of had our eyes blinded what it means to really bless the lives of other people. We tend to pile on when people make mistakes. We tend to attack rather than to bless. And I just believe that the Lord's going to use us and use others to open people's eyes up to the power of what it means to bless. Now, contextually speaking, there's a couple of things going on here. God gave a word to, to Habakkuk, and he said, here's the word. Make it plain, and I know the revelation yet awaits. I know you don't completely understand it yet. That's okay. How many of you, God's given you a word that you still don't completely understand? You're still waiting on. Maybe a promise you haven't been able to put together yet. That's okay. Though, we, we, though it linger, I know it doesn't always come as quickly as we want it to come. It won't delay. God will do everything that he promised that he would do. 
And if God gave you a word and you wrote down the word and he said, at the right time, I'm going to give you understanding, you can trust that he will do it at the right time. So there's one thought there that though you don't understand the word right now, eventually you will. Here's the other thing. Um, it speaks of an appointed time. I'm giving you a word now for a time later. We cross this up a lot. We all do. I've had people, God gave me a word and this is what he's calling me to do and they think it's tomorrow. When sometimes it's not tomorrow, sometimes it's like five years away. You just have to wait. Sometimes it's 10 years away. I hate to say it, sometimes it's a lifetime that the Lord gives you a word. And I'm not saying that every promise is that way. Please don't let this discourage you. Great, I got another promise from God. Gonna keep waiting on every stinking promise. That's not what I'm saying. But some of them, some of them are a little bit down the road. Some of them are happening in ways that you didn't anticipate them to happen, so you don't even recognize that you're in it. You're still asking for something that you're living just because you have a parameter, uh, a paradigm that you built as to what it had to look like, rather than saying, Lord, give me understanding. So I'm asking God to give us understanding a blessing, okay? So here we go. I got a few points today. I think I can get all of them done in just a short amount of time. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. A better translation would say mankind rather than God because it actually, in the Hebrew, it referred to mankind. It wasn't just that men were created in God's image. And how many ladies would agree with me that, not, that men aren't the only ones created in God's image, right? So it's just, but so God created mankind, Male and female, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, and then Moses specifies, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, notice that. I don't want to skip over that. God blessed them and said to them. I have heard this, this quote communicated as a command. Here's what you need to do. You need to be fruitful. You need to increase in number. You need to subdue the earth. That's the command. I'm not saying that there wasn't a command in it, but what I'm saying is this is a blessing that God affixed on Adam and Eve that they would be able to accomplish by the very word that he spoke over them. Do we understand? There's a revelation in this. When the Lord gives you a word and he says, I bless you to do this, and while we're trying to figure out how we can do it, the fact that he imparted the word to you is how you're going to do it. That's how. He, he's given that impartation. The Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. Increase in number. Subdue the earth. Listen, Josh and Haley received it. Three kids in 10 years. They've received it. Three more in the next 10. And a set of twins at the end just for fun. Can I, come on. Can, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that just be a delight? Okay. <laughs> God actually wants our, he wants us blessed. He wants our families blessed. And I, we're in a politically correct society. I'm just going to go ahead and mention this. And it's, I'm not selling bumper stickers after church that, you know, the West wasn't one with a registered gun. I'm, that's not where I'm going with my statement. But notice that he gave us rule and dominion over everything on the earth. And we have so flipped things now. You can go to jail for a long time for beating a dog and you can kill a baby and get a meal. 
And we've so flipped things. And, he, and I, listen, this isn't when I'm going to come up here and say, let, you know, let's reverse it. Let's kill dogs and save children. That's not where I'm headed. Let's save children and save the other creatures that God cares about. And I know he does. Have you ever read the, the, the book of Jonah? At the end of the book of Jonah, this, this always just, it gets me. When the Lord speaks to Jonah and he says, don't you understand there's 120,000 people in Nineveh that they don't know their right hand from their left hand? And, and that wasn't a, an inference to the, to the educational system of our community. That was more that they are so blinded they don't understand. He go, he's, here's what he said. 120,000 people, they don't know their right hand from their left hand, and many cattle as well. Isn't that wild? He's like, why would I want to destroy that city, destroy those people, and destroy those animals? That, I, that was never the intent of God. And that, that's just a remarkable thing to think about, isn't it? Listen, we need to recognize we, God's placed us at this place. We do have dominion over the earth. We have it in Christ Jesus. And we're to use it well, and we're to use it with wisdom. So go ahead and save the animals. That's great, but let's save the children. Here's a takeaway. God desires for his people to be blessed, so he spoke the blessing they needed over them. That God gave Adam and Eve what they needed when he spoke that. He said, be fruitful multiply, subdue the earth. I mean, what, what an incredible blessing. I've heard parents pray this over kids at weddings. I pray that you'll give me a bunch of grandbabies. I bless you to give me a bunch of grandbabies. Man, say it. That's a great thing to say. I bless you that you'll be prosperous. How many of you don't want them coming home living in your basement anyway? So go ahead and bless them to prosper. And then don't be jealous when they do. Go ahead and celebrate that God's using them, all right? Go ahead and bless them. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So when God is speaking those words, they are flawless words, and I'm gonna shelter myself in that. One more, think about it, I'll give you, and then I'll get to a, where I'm headed. Uh, think about it as this, God gives some, uh, some blessings just because he does, and he gives other blessings through our alignment with his principles. And we need to know that both are in operation, there are times that I do things for my girls just because I want to. I just, I'm a dad, and I'm not a perfect dad. I am a good father. I'm a, I'm a good, good father. But besides that, I, 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 there's some things I do just because I want to, but there's some other things that I do because I recognize they're lining themselves up with what God's Word is teaching to be true. Or they're lining themselves up with what we've been trying to invest into them in our family. And man, I just I want to bless that. God does the same thing. Man, he blesses you just because he's good, but there's other times you start walking in his principles, he's like, I'm gonna give them a little more. I'm gonna pour out more upon them. So with that said, I wanna talk about one of those principles today. Look in Genesis chapter 12. I think it's uh, starting with verse, yeah, verse one. Here's the background. Abram, we don't know that his family was a Yahweh-seeking family, that they were pursuing God. We don't know that. But we know that the Lord spoke to Abram at some point. What does Abram mean? Does anybody remember? The meaning of the name Abram is great father, which is interesting considering that he was older and he had no children. So his name's great father. So think about it. The Lord says to the great father, the Lord says to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land what? Everybody say it with me. I will show you. And we think we walk a walk of faith. 
We know the promised land. We know that area, Jerusalem. and Ju We get it. But he didn't. The Lord spoke to Abram and he said, go to the land that I will show you. I'm here to tell you right now, the hardest steps of faith is when the Lord's speaking to you and he's saying, follow me. And you say, okay, Lord, where? And he says, just trust me. Those are hard moments. And if the Lord spoke to you and said, hey, I'm moving you to St. Louis. Okay, at least I know where I'm headed. Or he spoke to you, I'm, I'm, I'm moving you up to Milwaukee. Okay, Father, that's great. I'll follow you to Milwaukee. At least I know, I know that you spoke to me. I know you're with me, and I know where I'm headed. It's a little more different when the Lord says, listen, sell everything you have, get rid of it, and you're going to go where I'm going to show you. Okay, I'll do it, Lord, but show me. Well, I'm going to show, show you after you sell everything. Now listen, we're in the Christian community. We're going to look at you. We're going to help you in your faith. We're going to say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Because we so don't partner with faith anymore that we're going to try to hold you back and say, wait, now wait a second. God's also given you a gift of wisdom in your life. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He teaches you all things. You've been building up the equity in that home for years. What if the Lord doesn't show you for a long time and you live on your equity and you've got no money left? How, don't do that. You really need the Lord to tell you where you're going to go. You ever received non-godly counsel from godly people? We do it all the time. We've got to be willing to walk the faith walk. And we've got to support each other when we're walking the faith walk. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, it just amazed me that Cindy Peeplaw felt the call of God to go with us to Ireland, and she's like, Pastor Brad, I know I'm supposed to go to Ireland, and I know I don't have the money yet, but the Lord said he's going to come through. And as that day got closer and closer and closer, I'm like, she's thinking the Lord's going to come through by Faith Chapel covering the bill. I'm sorry, did I let that out loud? I'm sorry. I have those thoughts every once in a while, like everyone. I'm like, Cindy, you got it. Cindy, you got it. The day before, her friends calls her up. Hey, the Lord spoke to me. I was supposed to pay for your trip. I've been disobedient. She's like, I can get you guys the money tomorrow. The Lord, and I'm like, God bless that walk of faith. God bless that walk of faith. Lord, help, help me to partner with that. When I've heard from you, I get it. I trust you. Should go to the land, I'll show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Who? The guy without a kid. You don't have a kid yet. So I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Now, I'm not going to go through all the Hebrew words for blessing here, but I do want you to know they're different. And I, I'll point out a couple of them. When he says, I'll bless you, it's just kind of that general good blessing. I'm, things are going to be good for you. Then he says this, I'm going to make your name great, which is a reminder that when you're named Mighty Father and, and you have no children, you can be a little intimidated by your own name. He's like that name that perhaps you feel a little insecure about, maybe a little bit of a laughing stock among your brothers that all have like 27 kids. I'm, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing, and I'm going to bless those, look at this, who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We miss some of the teaching of this just because in Hebrew, things are defined a little bit differently, so I'm going to share it with you. Um, when the Lord says, I will bless you, in the Hebrew, this is a word that would be translated, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow down and give you a gift. Now, it's not saying that, that God is worshiping Abram. 
okay? Because we know that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This isn't God worshiping his child. And parents, by the way, don't worship yours. That never sets them up for success. So it wasn't about, about uh, God worshiping Abram, but it was more that context. Um, if you've ever read about it or you've seen it portrayed in a movie, when somebody would come in to present a gift to royalty, there, there's just that honor, and they would come in, and, and they would kind of keep their head bowed, and they would give a gift, and then every, and everybody was, you know, they'd say, dilly dilly, you, right? If you've seen the commercial, they'd come in, they'd give dilly dilly, right? And so everybody understands. That's kind of what's going on there. It really shows respect and honor, which isn't it interesting that the Lord says, I'm going to not just bless Abraham, but I'm going to bless those who bless you. Not only was God going to bring gifts and bless Abram, but he actually said, everyone that partners with blessing you, same word, those that come and present to you, I will come and present to them. This was God's pattern of success for the entire planet to be blessed. If you will bless Abraham and his descendants, and that is Israel... If you will bless them, if you will pray for them, if you will invest into them, if you will pour out love on them the way that God pours out love on them, guess what? God will pour out love on you. He'll bless you. Three times a year, you guys know, it's part of our culture. During Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, we collect a special offering for those in need. Half of that money literally goes to minister to the poor in Jerusalem. Why do you do that? Well, People need help when they're in poverty. And two, God's promised that if we will bless the descendants of Abram, if we'll bless his people, he'll bless us. Now look at this. But whoever curses you, I'll curse. What's interesting, there's two different words for curse here. Um, the first one, I can't remember how to pronounce it, so I won't even try. The first one, when it says those who curses you or curse you, it really means more just to be slighted. Have you ever had this happen, students? Have you ever had this happen? You're kind of walking in, the group's together, there's like four people in a circle, and you're trying to walk up, the circle's kind of open, you're trying to walk into that, and the circle closes before you get there and you get the shoulder. Have you ever had that happen? Adults, have you ever had it happen? You're walking into a room, there's groups of people in communication, you're like, oh, there's a friend, I'm gonna go walk into that group, and before you get there, they close the circle, and you're like, oh, great, where do I go now? Have you ever went to give a high five and been left hanging? Isn't that just the Thatcher Pirtle did that to me after first service today? Every, every Sunday, Thatcher gives me a hug or a fist bump. He's like, Pastor Brad, I mean, we are buddies. He's walking out today. I'm like, Thatcher. He goes, no. <laughs> and when you have a hand this size, you can't really hide it that it's out there. I'm like, good to see you, buddy. Good. I, you, there's no way to recover from that. Now, his dad, Ryan, thankfully, he understands the bro code. He's like, hey, you get back in there. He like, comes back in. All right, pastor, I'll get you. You're right, so he'll want one next time he has a birthday. I'll tell you that. You know how it is. But anyway, God says those who slight you, I'll curse. I can remember that word. The Hebrew word is aror. It's where we get the word roar. I will roar against them. God wants you to know his love for you is so great 
that even when you're slighted, there's something in him that wants to roar to your defense. I, I don't even know how to describe it except maybe to refer to the love of a mama. Mamas, how many of you, you're the kindest person ever unless somebody messes with your kids? There, there is something about a mama's kids, okay? And I love my girls, and I, I will fight for my girls. I would die for my girls. But if you mess with them and mama steps into the room, you will die for my girls. That's the difference between a dad's self-sacrificial love I will die for them, and a mom's, I will roar against you, and you will die for them. You understand the difference? That's that's what you need to understand, truly. We don't understand how much self-control God lives with. We don't. You're the apple of his eye. You're in his heart. You're his child. His word says he loves you from everlasting to everlasting. I love my girls more today than I did when they were born. And I didn't think I could love them any more than when they were first born. Well, after about a week. The first week we kept thinking we wanted to give them back. But <laughs> you're not sleeping well and you're not getting a lot out of the thing. Oh, let's just be honest. But, but after the first week, I, I, I love them more. You don't love them less because you love them more. It just continues to grow. God can't love you anymore than he does because he is eternal love you know how much self-control he lives with when you're slighted to give people grace and to give them opportunity okay god will bless those who bless abram he will curse those who curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through them okay i've taken too long so let me just give you three verses as we walk out the door here in just a moment um, we're skipping the takeaways again, Amber. Here, let, if you want to jot these down or just take a picture of them so you'll remember these. Uh, blessing children is Christ-like. Cursing children is demonic. But blessing them is Christ-like. Let me, just, let me just share this little observation right in the middle. When he says, let the children come to me, don't hinder them for what? The kingdom of what? God belongs to them. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven said the kingdom of God. It's, what's the Greek word for kingdom? Basilia. means the authority of heaven. He said, these children carry the authority of heaven. Bless them. Don't keep them away from me. I want you to know your children know they carry authority. They know it. They know it from an early age. Um, how many of you, either, either you, you might not admit that this was you, but little brothers. <laughs> hey, Jack, you got a message. I just, just in case... You couldn't hear it, even though live stream heard it, but uh, all right. <laughs> I bless you, brother. I just thank you for that moment. That was so good. Just, it was a nice little time out in the middle of the message. There's no way I'm going to curse that. Are you kidding me? We bless that. All right. That, have you ever seen the kids that get out of the tub and they don't get dressed, but they put a towel around their neck and they're a superhero? Have you ever, how many had little brothers that did that? Or maybe you, come on, admit it. You were the little superhero as a kid before, Brian, you did? That's a horrible visual, Brian. But um, <laughs> my brothers did this. They would, they would put the little, they would, they would come out. I mean, just, just, Pastor Blake, your dad, come out just butt naked. They'd come out, 
and they would like tie this in a knot. And I'm like, could you go ahead and put some undies on? I, Superman wears underwear. They're red. They're right. I, but you know, and, and running around the house being a superhero. And I'm like, could you please? Yeah, I mean, do we? Is it only a a, a cape that we need after the after the tub? T- right? Can we not just cover up? When kids come out of the tub, they're a superhero. You know when they were in the bubble machine last week during the blessing of the children? Some of the littlest ones were in there and they're hitting every bubble. And I just knew some of those boys were like, they were out floating around in the galaxies and they were fighting an attack in space. And as these things, they've got the imagination. They know they have the authority. And Jesus is saying, just release them into the authority of the kingdom. Your kids will never doubt that God will raise the dead. Pastor Beth remembers a story when she was five years old in North Carolina at the church she attended. A gentleman had a heart attack and died in their church service. And the pastor said, the Lord's going to raise him up, but bring the kids in because I want them to see it. He, He wanted the kids in. And I remember the day that came back to life in Beth. She's like, I remember. I remember. Those kids touches them. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus blesses children because they carry the authority of heaven. They don't have the inhibitions. They, all they need is the towel to fly across the universe. And if we will bless them in the way of the kingdom, only God knows what it's going to look like. Two other thoughts and we're done. Blessing your community will, or excuse me, yeah, blessing your community will exalt it. Proverbs eleven eleven. If you want to take a picture of that one, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it's destroyed. Why would I want to partner with speaking curses over my city when I can partner with speaking life and see it blessed? And the last one is this. We'll go to the last one. Blessing those who insult you guarantees your inheritance. First Peter three eight and nine. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love his brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a difficult moment with somebody and you walked away? And because you're a Christian, you watched your language, but you walked away and you went, bless you. You ever been there? How many of you have ever given somebody a bless you? Okay. Do you know that you weren't blessing them? You might have said, bless you, but that's not what you were thinking. It's not what you were feeling. It's not the words that come out of the mouth. It's the heart that allows the words to be spoken. If you said that blessing, you really didn't bless at all. Notice this, and it's kind of a little revelation, and I'm done, but I want you to have it. You will be insulted. You will have evil. That's part of life. It happens. But don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with what? Blessing. And then he tells you why. Because to this you were called. Wow, a calling? Anybody talk, people talk all the time about their calling. I just feel a calling. They never say, I really feel called to bless those that insult me. To this you were called so that why? You may inherit a blessing. I'm a, here's a little revelation for you. There are some blessings that have been stored up for you. That's what an inheritance is. Future opportunity. There are some blessings that have been stored up for you that you haven't received because you haven't started blessing those that insult you. 
There are some blessings of God that only come by way of blessing those that do evil to you. No wonder you can count it all joy. When they talk about you, when they attack you, when they give false accusation, you know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to use that moment, and if you'll partner with blessing them in the middle of the accusation, if you'll do that, you will receive blessings that that activated for your life. Come on, somebody. Come on, if you'll give me an amen, I'll stop. Come on, somebody. All right, let's stand together. We'll let you get out of here today. Uh, please put this into practice. And so much more. Uh, we, we could do a two-month series on the power of the blessing. Put this into practice. You, you, you were insulted last week, and some of you will be insulted this week. Go ahead and speak blessing over them. Do it because it's the right thing to do. And then watch how that will activate the blessings of God upon your life. When your children are getting crazy with their imaginations, turn them into kingdom moments and say, man, I love your imagination. What could God use you to do? What can God use you in your future for? Go ahead and just, just activate it, man. Let's release imagination and creativity and more, more, more in the name of Jesus. So God, I just bless your people. Just like you told Aaron that he could lift out his hands and speak over the people. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you peace. And that when he would do that, it literally would, it would glue the name of God to your people. So Lord, I bless your people. As their brother in the Lord, I bless them. I ask God in Jesus' name that you will open doors of opportunity for them that no man can shut. I pray in the name of Jesus that they'll walk with favor into every room, into every situation. I ask in the, and I bless them in the name of Jesus that they'll have wisdom beyond their years and wisdom beyond their circumstances. I thank you, God, that they will receive the direction that they need in their business decisions and in their educational decisions and in their relational decisions. You're going to bless them with that wisdom. I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you're always with them and you're always in them and you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And I bless them. And Father, I thank you that you bless not only them, but you bless through them. And I thank you and ask that their words would be used to release life into dark situations, hope into broken situations, and peace into chaotic situations. Bless them, keep them, shine on them. In Jesus' name, amen.